Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, Montana? One day until we get playoff football back in the Treasure State. Montana taking on Furman tomorrow night, 7 p.m. under the lights at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Welcome in. Happy to have you with us. Nuanez now here on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Except it's not Nuanez now today because Coulter Nuanez off for the day. So it'll be the Andrew Houghton and Jeff Safford show Bringing you Nuanez now from behind the glass here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company Studios. You can listen on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana or the ESPN MT app. As always, you can also go to 102. Point, you can also go to 1029ESPN.com and click on Nuanez now. Listen live to get our audio stream. Busy day plan for you, of course. We're gonna talk a little bit about that Montana Furman game. We've got some sound from Furman Paladins quarterback Tyler Huff coming up here in segment one. Coulter and Brooks will also touch on that game a little bit in their segment to lead off our number two, uh, although that'll focus mainly on the NFL betting lines. We've also got plenty of other stuff for you today, talking some Montana news briefs here in segment one. We'll have a segment from the most recent Trailblazers podcast, a little project that I've been working on here about the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. Of course, that was the first one in school history. Their head coach, Betsy Dirksen, went into the Grizz Athletics Hall of Fame this past year, and it'll be their 30th anniversary next year. So I put together a podcast talking with several of the players and coaches 
from that 1994 Grizz soccer team. We'll hear a little snippet of that in segment number two. Segment number three, Jeff Safford and I are both going to get on the mics. We'll talk a little MLB big trade last night. You might have heard New York Yankees. It feels like the early 2000s again, going out and getting a superstar. We'll talk our way through that. Maybe talk a little NBA in-season tournament as well. As I mentioned, Brooks Nuanez leading off our number two, looking at all the NFL games this weekend. That's all football, all the time. And then segment five, we'll have a, a little Grizz hockey rivalry package from our guy Jeff Safford. Of course, the Grizz taking on Montana State. We're not going to get a brawl of the wild in the gridiron in the semifinals after the Bobcats lost last week to North Dakota State, but we're going to get a brawl of the wild on the ice this weekend, a home and away. For the Montana Grizzlies, they're going over to Bozeman on Friday, then hosting the Bobcats on the ice at Glacier Ice Rink on Saturday. Of course, if you can't make it to that game on Saturday, you can always go to Buffalo Wild Wings right across the street from us here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Those guys are streaming every Grizz hockey game throughout the season. So if you can't make it on Saturday or you want to watch the game on Friday, you can't get enough of of Jeff Safford's sweet play-by-play. Head on over to Buffalo Wild Wings. They'll be running drink specials all night, both Friday and Saturday. Full food menu, full bar, and again, they're right across from us here on Radio Way in Missoula. Busy first segment for you. Let's get to it. Around the state of Montana... Uh, in some sports other than football, though we'll start off with football, FCS National Awards starting to come out this week. And Eli Gilman, freshman running back for the University of Montana, named the Jerry Rice Award winner on Wednesday. Big honor for, for Eli Gilman, uh, a result that I think a lot of people saw coming. Redshirt freshman running back. He was a big recruit for the Grizz out of the state of Minnesota last year, uh, which is an area that Montana's football program doesn't go to recruit out of a ton. But they got a gem from out of the land of 10,000 lakes with Eli Gilman. He played a little bit last year, played a little bit towards the end of the season, those games against Cal Poly and Eastern Washington where the Grizz were just just beating the brakes off those teams. Played a little bit, kept his red shirt. Because uh, he played in fewer than four games. And then this year, Eli Gilman, there were rumblings about him in fall camp. Came into the season as a, as the starter and sort of took that job and made it his. 857 yards rushing for Eli Gilman this year. Ten touchdowns. Uh, he's had three games over 100 yards. Also caught 11 passes for 103 yards for the Montana Grizzlies, who, of course, won the Big Sky Championship. Uh, So congrats to him, and it'll be interesting now to see where his career goes from here and whether the rest of that career includes the University of Montana uh, or if he wants to to enter the transfer portal and maybe go up to to the FBS because Eli Gilman, no doubt about it, Power 5 talent at running back. I wrote a piece about him for Skyline Sports really early in the season when he was just a, a couple games into the season. And you could see it even then. I mean, the power, the speed, the vision, the agility. He had all of the components necessary uh, to make a great running back, particularly in Montana's zone-blocking system. And Bobby Houck said that after one of those early games. 
you know, some of those zone backs, they need to have great vision. Eli Gilman's got it. He's a good fit for this system. We're excited to see where his career goes. Well, his career going uh, to the Jerry Rice Award. This is the uh, second straight year that a Big Sky Conference player has won the Jerry Rice Award, which is given to the best freshman in the FCS. In a given season, Idaho quarterback Giovanni McCoy, of course, won that award last year for the Vandals. Eli Gilman and Giovanni McCoy, the fourth and fifth winners of the Jerry Rice Award in the Big Sky Conference history, and and that's a, a star-studded list, to say the least. I mean, if you win this and you play in the Big Sky Conference, you basically, without fail, go on to be, to be a star. They first started giving this award out in 2011, and the first one went to Terrence West, the running back from Towson, who went on to have a, a solid career in the NFL. Two years later, Cooper Cup won it for Eastern Washington. 2015, Case Cookus won it as a quarterback for Northern Arizona. 2018, Josh Davis won it as a running back for Reber State. So that's a phenomenal list. I mean, two of those three guys are, are still playing professional football because Cooper Cup, of course, is a star in the NFL. And Case Cookus has been... Uh, in the USFL, he's still hanging on there. I think he's he's still playing. I'm not sure which team he's on, but he's been playing professionally since he left Northern Arizona. Uh, and Josh Davis, you know, I think he would have gotten a shot too. Uh, he just ran into some some really bad injuries at the end of his career. But Josh Davis, without a doubt, was an All-American caliber running back in his prime for Weber State. So uh, Eli Gilman joining a really great list of players to win that Jerry Rice Award. Staying on the the topic of FCS awards here, you're listening to Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana and the ESPN MT app. Uh, Coulter Nuanez out today, taking a well-deserved day off as we're getting towards the end of the to the to the end of the year here. Uh, he explained it a couple days ago. He's just got a ton of time off piled up that he hasn't taken. Uh, so he'll be in and out of the studio these next couple weeks. Uh, Colter Nuanez, of course, will be back tomorrow. We'll have a, a huge college game day broadcast for you. Here's here's the plan for tomorrow. We're just going to do Nuanez now from our spot at the at the tailgate there, right across the walking bridge from the University of Montana campus, right in the Albertsons parking lot there, kitty corner from the press box. So 4 p.m., we'll be going live. Myself, Andrew Houghton, I'll be down here running things through the board, but Coulter Nuanez and friends will be on site there at our regular tailgate spot right across the walking bridge from the University of Montana campus, live from 4 to 6 before Montana's 7 p.m. kickoff against Furman in the FCS quarterfinals tomorrow. Uh, so stop by, say hi to those guys. Uh, I know Coulter and everybody, Rajim, Gus Tutel might be there. Those guys love the interaction. So stop by, say hi, give them your thoughts on the game. Uh, they love to love to see that. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. More Grizz football news. Bobby Houck today, as they continue to announce the FCS National Awards, finishing third in voting for the Eddie Robinson Award given to the best coach in FCS football. Interesting result. I, th- I I have said that that Bobby Houck was a for sure serious contender to win that award. I might have said that that he was the favorite going into that the voting for that award. I've also said 
that this has been one of Bobby Houck's best coaching jobs at the University of Montana for, for a number of reasons. Bouncing back from that Northern Arizona loss to open conference play, uh, the way that the team has adapted to having Clifton McDowell at quarterback over the course of the season, the way that he's given up control to to his coordinators. I mean, Brent Pease and Ronnie Bradford, both for, first-year coordinators on either side of the ball, uh, he's really given those guys leeway to to imprint their ideas on this team. And, of course, with Bobby Hawk, you always have to talk about Grizz are still dominant on special teams. That's the on-field part of the product that he has the most impact on, and they're still phenomenal at that. So I think this has been a great coaching job this year for Bobby Houck. Uh He finishes third in voting for the Eddie Robinson Award. The winner, Jimmy Rogers from South Dakota State, and this one is is tough to argue with. Uh, I know there are going to be some Grizz fans out there who have a problem with that. But when you look at what Jimmy Rogers did, I... <laughs> I'm not going to say it's more impressive than what Bobby Houck did at Montana this year. What Jimmy, what Jimmy Rogers did at South Dakota State this year, intensely, intensely impressive. Um, first year as a head coach, taking over for a legend, John Stiegelmeyer, who'd been there for nearly three decades uh, there in Brookings. Coach Stig finally gets his national championship last year. He rides off into the sunset. You're the longtime assistant in Jimmy Rogers having to replace a guy like that. You've got the most talent in the country, of course. South Dakota State, I, th- I think, I don't think I would get an argument that South Dakota State is the most talented team in the country. But to keep that team on the path, to have the target on your back, to know that everybody's shooting for you, and to finish undefeated and as clearly the number one seed in the playoffs while trying to come into the room in a new role to impart your wisdom and philosophy onto a team that has been accustomed to doing things in a certain way for so long, it's really impressive. And, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if Bobby Houck won the Eddie Robinson. I'm not surprised that Jimmy Rogers won it. And I I think that what they've done in Brookings is really impressive. Of course, the great thing about this is is that the argument is on pace to get settled in Frisco in January because those are the number one and number two teams in the country. So we might see Jimmy Rogers coaching against Bobby Houck for all the marbles in Frisco in January. Uh, second place went to Greg Gattuso from Albany. Interesting choice there to put him ahead of Bobby Houck. Uh, great Danes, of course, going to the Kibbe Dome on Saturday night. They're the number five t- seed in the playoffs. Uh, Albany was 10-3 and three this year. Only one of those losses was to an FCS team. It was to New Hampshire. Um, but I think going 7-1 going and one in the CAA is a little bit less impressive than going 7-1 and one in the big sky, particularly when you have to when you take into account everything else that Bobby Houck had to deal with this year, which I've already talked about. Uh, and, and I think the voting reflected that. Bobby Houck actually got more first-place votes than Greg Gattuso at Albany. He also got more second-place votes than Greg Gattuso at Albany. Uh, but Greg Gattuso finishes uh, just a couple points ahead of him, which says uh, some guys had had Bobby Houck a lot further down their ballot. So that's kind of interesting to me. Um, Bobby Houck also picked up uh, an award for he was the AFCA FCS Region 5 Coach of the Year that was announced yesterday as well. So still a great year for Bobby Houck. Just finishing up the thoughts on the Eddie Robinson Award here. South Dakota's Bob Nielsen finished fourth. 
Florida A&M's Willie Simmons finished fifth. Furman head coach Clay Hendricks finished eighth in voting for that award, so we've got two top ten finishers for the Eddie Robinson Award facing off tomorrow in Missoula. Let's talk a little bit about that game. Here's Furman quarterback Tyler Huff. Interesting guy. Coulter Nuan has caught up with him earlier this week. I'm not going to do anything else to set up the interview because uh, I think you'll want to learn about him in his own words. Uh, but Tyler Huff will lead the Furman Paladins into Washington Grizzly Stadium tomorrow night. Here's Furman's signal caller, uh, Tyler Huff, just a couple minutes with Coulter Nuanez. Well, our FCS playoffs coverage continues here on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television, and we're joined now by senior quarterback of the Furman Paladins, Tyler Huff, here on Nuanas Now. Tyler, thanks so much for taking a minute, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. First of all, I, I want to know just about uh, where you guys are coming from there in Furman. Greenville, South Carolina. I did some research on the town. Looks like an awesome place. Talked to Coach Hendricks, and he said, you know, I just can't quit it here. I've lived here for half my life because it's such an awesome place to live. So uh, what do you think of Greenville? Just tell people what it's like. Uh, it's a very good place. So I'm from originally from Jacksonville, Florida, so it's a pretty big city. Um, so coming here, I didn't know what to expect, but um, it's a pretty big city itself. It's got plenty to do, man. It's a very pretty. We got, you know, we got mountains surrounding us. You know, you get a little bit of all four seasons here. It's a wonderful place, and, you know, the community really uh, gravitates towards us and uh, good support from everybody around, so it's good. How's the weather right now? It is, I'd say, about 45 to 50-ish right now and a little windy. It's, it's kind of been like this the past two, three weeks. That's good. Okay, so not not too much of a temperature drop. It's certainly colder out here in Montana, but uh, at least it's not like 80 degrees there right now, right? No, yeah. We're, we're, we'll be a little, little colder than normal, but we'll be all right. Well, tell me about your path to, to Furman. You transferred in there from Presbyterian College. So uh, what led you to Furman, and how's it been these last couple of years since you, you got there? I was a smaller, very athletic quarterback, so I didn't have a whole lot. I went to Presbyterian College out of high school. I uh, graduated there in three years and went to grad transfer portal. And, uh, you know, Furman was the one school that gave me a shot and gave me a phone call. So um, I didn't have too much to choose from. This is what I chose. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. I've been here for two years now. How would you just describe the school? Because I was doing some research on the school, too. Pretty small population, but it sounds like it's a great academic institution. So are your classes pretty tough? I mean, what's it like just being a student there? Yeah, it's pretty small. I think maybe 3,000, 3,500, something like that. Um, you know, the saying here when I was, I've heard my whole life here, or since being here, was it's the heart of the South. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty big statement, but I think it's lived up to his name so far. I'm, in my master's program, it's uh, pretty challenging and uh you know, they live up to that, and they make sure they challenge you on all of your classes. So it's it's a good spot for sure, definitely definitely academically-wise. Tyler Huff here joining us on Nuanas now. He's the quarterback for the Furman Paladins. They make their way to Missoula to take on the University of Montana on Friday night uh, in the FCS playoffs. Uh, Tyler, just take us through your season. I know you, you guys uh, draft one to South Carolina early. I mean, no shame there. It, you know, sold out SEC Stadium and then won eight in a row. And then stubbed your toe there at the end of the year against Wofford, but then got back on track with the win over Chattanooga. So just take us through the, the flow, and how are you guys able to bounce back after dropping that season finale and get a nice playoff win last week? We know how last year was. We, uh, you know, we lost one SoCon game, and we ended up costing us the conference. So our whole mindset was this year is you know, we lose one SoCon game, and it's pretty much it for us. And that was kind of our plan and our goal the whole time. So for us, we were really in the playoffs the entire season. We knew how important every game was. And you know, I think uh, we took it serious, and we got the SoCon championship, and I think as you said, at the end of the year, I think we, it's not going to say we are complacent, but I think we did let our guard down a little bit. And, um, you know, we let a team that we probably should have beat sneak up on us. And 
get one away from us, but, you know, we bounced back, and that's fueled us a lot to get to where we're going, and, you know, we're excited to keep on moving through these playoffs. Well, uh, one guy that's an interesting tie is uh, your offensive coordinator and quarterbacks, Coach Justin Roper, uh, who's going to join us uh, this week as well. But he's a University of Montana guy. He played a couple years for the Grizz after transferring in from Oregon. So does he have some insight for you on what it's like playing in Missoula? What's Coach Roper say about all this? Oh, yeah, yeah. He gave us a lot of insight, especially, um, you know, that's how we started our Sunday off in the team room. He broke it down, told us all about how the environment is, you know, how the fans are there and the team and the culture, that kind of thing. It told us all what to expect. And, you know, yeah, we've seen it all since I've been here. Every now and then he'll talk about Montana, not necessarily the school, but just about the state, about how much he loves it and how much he wants to go back, that kind of thing. So he uh, he, he doesn't forget his past at all. He enjoys being at Montana. I'm sure he's pretty excited, but I'm sure he's more excited than any of us to get a win against his alum. So he's, he's ready for it just like we are. Have you yourself ever been to Montana? I have not. The most west I've been was in Colorado. I went to Denver a few years ago. Well, that's awesome. Well, we'll be happy to have you and the rest of your teammates out here. Tyler Huff joining us from the uh, from Furman, the uh, Paladins in Missoula, Friday night uh, to take on the Montana Grizzlies. Uh, just let's talk about the matchup then. I mean, what have you thought of what you've seen out of the Grizz defense <laughs> on film? How would you just describe what they do defensively? First thing that pops out to me is that they don't miss tackles. Um, you know, they're not – but not the most athletic bunch, I'd say. Um, I think in the SoCon, we've seen a little bit more athletic guys, you know, just every week. But, um, you know, that's the first thing. They don't miss tackles. And, you know, they're always going to be the right spot. Linebackers are definitely their uh, their best best position group on that defense. And, you know, they, they played sound football. And I don't know what I saw something today. They were talking about our defense versus compared Compared to their defense, I think they were like fourth in total defense. We were seventh. And, um, I mean, we, we play against them every day in practice. And, you know, sometimes they get us on some plays. Sometimes we get them. So, it's, uh, we're challenged all week or all year just in practice. So, I think we're excited. I think we match up pretty good with them. And, you know, we're excited to go prove it because I know a lot of us think we're not going to be able to handle it. You mentioned your defense as well. You guys have put up some unbelievable defensive numbers, giving up less than 17 points per game, leading the country in takeaways, leading the country in turnover margins. So how much of those statistics just catered to your guys' success this year? Uh, it's been big. Um, I mean, we feed off each other well. We play very complimentary football, I feel like. And it just takes the air out of a team whenever, you know, our defense picks them off or gets a fumble. And, I mean, we have one of the best running defenses in the whole nation, I feel like. And, you know, a lot of teams um, try to pride themselves on running the ball. And, you know, they haven't had much luck against us this year. And that's kind of fueled us as an offense. You know, whenever we see our defense going out there and shut them out, get a three and out, punt us and get us the ball back. I mean, it's, it motivates us. You know, we don't want them to be pulling all the weight. You know, we have some, we have some kind of emotion, motivation to pick up our own weight and so we're not get carried throughout the game. But What's your guys' just collective mindset coming in here? I mean, you get a chance to play one of the great venues in all of FCS football and you get to play against the second-ranked team in the country and uh, bid for the Final Four on the line. So, I mean, how are you guys feeling? What's just your, your collective mindset as a team coming to Missoula? I, I, I think it's just pumped up and excited. You know, a lot of people don't have us, you know, pick to even come close to win this ball game. So I think that's kind of our whole collective mindset. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't think we can handle a hanger out in the cold, that kind of stuff. So, you know, we have plenty of motivation with this one. You know, a lot of people are proved wrong. So I think that's kind of been our our uh, mindset this entire year. We have a lot of people to prove wrong every week. Nobody's picked us to win much this year. But, you know, we're excited to keep doing that. We've been proving people wrong. And, uh, you know, we plan on keep doing it this weekend. Well, last thing for you, then, if you are to come in here and get, and get a win, what is it, what's it going to take? What are the key facts for Furman on Friday night? Uh, turnovers. We've been pretty good on turnovers the whole year. We just got to tackle well on defense and hold the ball on um, offense. I mean, we've, we played in cold games. You know, I don't know many of us played in snow games, but, you know, if it does end up snowing, that, that's when handling the ball is going to be a key. You know, I think it's just containing the crowd noise. 
you know, not letting that affect us, not letting the crowd beat us. And, um, you know, I think these guys have always been, you know, kind of front runners. You know, they haven't been down a lot this year. They usually jump up on teams pretty early. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to push that and see if they can, uh, you know, if we get up on them early, see if they can know how to handle it and handle that adversity and see if they can grind one out like we have all year. They go Tyler Huff, the quarterback for the Furman Paladins. They come to Missoula Friday night, and the winner advances to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. Tyler, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it, and uh, safe travels this week. Best of luck. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. See you all Friday. Big thanks to Coulter Nuanez for that interview with Furman quarterback Tyler Huff. This is Nuanez now, ESPN 102.9, as well as SWX Montana and the ESPN MT app. But Coulter Nuanez is not in the studio today. Andrew Houghton and Jeff Safford bringing you the show from behind the glass here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company Studios. If you want to join in the conversation, you always can. Phone or text us. 406-888-1029. We're going to give you a chance later in the show to win a couple tickets to the Cole Swindell Show next July at the Kettle House. So stay tuned for that. But if you just want to talk to us about Montana football or Grizz hockey or anything else, you can always join the conversation on the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Again, 406 888 1029. We love to hear from you here at Nuanez. Now, a couple more news briefs. One from last weekend that that skipped our attention a little bit just because so many other things are going on. It's crossover season with football and basketball. Winter sports for high school are just getting going. All that, but but some big news from a from a high school fall sport. Bozeman High senior Nathan Neal had the best finish ever by a Montana cross-country boy runner at Nike Cross Nationals. Finished in 15 minutes, 18.6 seconds Saturday on a wet and winding Glendevere golf course in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Neil was just .1 seconds behind Cameron Todd from Indiana for second place. And those two were just two seconds behind the champion, Jojo Jordan from Utah. Neal's finished as the highest ever for a Montanan in the boys' championship 5K at Nike Cross Nationals. Uh, of course, you'll remember last year, Weston Brown from Bozeman High finished eighth. Uh, so that's the record that Nathan Neal beat. Now, that was the highest ever finished by a Montana runner at this event. Uh, now it's Nathan Neal's third place finish. Uh, Neal, of course, now an All-American. He's the Class AA champion uh, earlier this year. He also won Nike Cross Regionals earlier this year to go to the Nike Cross Nationals meet. A uh, huge season for Nathan Neal and the success of that cross-country team, particularly the boys' cross-country team at Bozeman High continues. Uh, congrats to Nathan Neal from Bozeman High. He's committed to run at Washington next year. Uh, on the hardwood, Lady Grizz looked again looked good again last night. It's their third straight win after losing two straight to start the season. They beat Loyola Marymount 82-68. Actually, it wasn't last night. It was yesterday afternoon uh, for school day at Dahlberg Arena. Uh, Coulter Nuanez went down to that game, so he'll have some stories from that game tomorrow for you. Uh, but Lady Grizz looks good. Maggie Espin, Miller, McGraw, the Iowa State transfer, continues to shoot the lights out. She had 24 points, a career high. Gina Markson had 13 of her 16 points in the third quarter as the Lady Grizz started to pull away. Carmen G. Feller looks good, uh, made her first three point shots of the season, uh, which is interesting for a, a stretch four like Carmen G. Feller, who's so good stepping out and shooting the three. 
Lady Grizz have now beaten Grand Canyon, Dickinson State, and Loyola Marymount after losing to Gonzaga and Washington State to start the season. Didn't come out of that game unscathed, though. Libby Stump uh, looks like she's going to be out for a while. Uh, looks like a serious knee injury for the uh, the microwave scoring guard off the bench. Uh, just a sophomore, Libby Stump. That's a big one. Another big one, Danny Barch leaving the game yesterday for the Lady Grizz. Not sure what that injury is. She's a, she's a player who's battled injuries throughout her career. Really tough for the Lady Grizz going forward. Both of those injuries hurt. Uh, Libby Stump, just such the quintessential uh, instant offense off the bench. She's, she's settled into that role for the Lady Grizz coming off the bench this season. But, you know, Libby Stump has struggled to shoot it this year. She hasn't made a three yet this year. She's only averaging 4.2 points this year. We know she can light it up at any moment. She just hasn't really shown that this year, and I think that that one maybe gives an opportunity for some of the freshmen now to step up on that second unit. Gina Markson's been running that second unit, so it's a great opportunity for a freshman to step in, whether that's Macy Heward, uh, who, who played well yesterday, Adriel Lincoln, uh, maybe even a big like Alex Parag. You got Gina Markson running your offense. You're going to get easy opportunities off of her. Now with Libby Stump out, they need some scoring on that second unit. Which freshman is going to step up? Which freshman is going to be able to develop? The Danny Bartsch injury, I don't know how long she's going to be out, but if she's out for any extended period of time, that's just uh, such a killer for the Lady Grizz. I think Danny Bartsch is probably the most important player, one of the most important players in the Big Sky Conference this year, just because she really holds that defense together. I mean, you're starting uh, Maggie Espen Miller-McGraw, who's a decent defender, but she's on the court for her shooting. You're starting Carmen G. Feller, who has improved on defense over her time at Montana, but is still um, not not a star on that end. I mean, she's on the court for her offense, and she's a great offensive player. Danny Bartsch allows you to get away with playing girls like that because she is just such a great rim protector. She's got such a big wingspan. She creates so much chaos on the defensive end, leads the team in steals and blocks, has a ton of other deflections that aren't called. All of that allows you to play such an offensively focused starting five. And it creates chaos on the defensive end for those offensively minded girls to to take advantage of to get out and run with when she's deflecting the ball she's getting steals everybody else can get out and run uh so danny barch hoping for a quick recovery for her will keep you updated with any updates uh on danny barch's injury lady grizz hosts colorado state on saturday night 7 p.m dahlberg arena uh good matchup uh lady grizz have had some great matchups at dahlberg arena so far this season of course they they hosted gonzaga and washington state to start those season start the season both of those teams are in the top 25 this week uh colorado state's undefeated 7 and 0 uh they haven't beaten anybody really great they uh, their best wins were probably san francisco and utep which are not like great earth-shaking wins um and and both of those games were close but another good test for the lady grizz coming up on saturday uh, the men Grizz also play on Saturday against Montana Tech. Men Grizz uh, beat MSU Northern 91-67 on Tuesday. Here's a little sound from Travis DeCure. Actually, you know what? We got to go to break. So we've got some sound from Travis DeCure from from the post game on Tuesday. We'll save that for a little bit later in the show. Uh, but we'll come back. We'll hear a little excerpt from Trailblazers, the story of the 1994 Montana women's soccer team 
It's right on the other side. You're listening to Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. One, two, three. Nuanez Now on ESPN Radio. We're continuing a theme here on Nuanez Now. Uh, that song, Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You, it's the number one song for like three and a half months back in 1994. Uh, why 1994, you ask? Well, first off, it was the year that I was born. Uh, Andrew Houghton here steering the ship on Nuanez Now. Coulter's out today, uh, but we're happy to have you with us on ESPN 102.9 Missoula, SWX Montana, or the ESPN MT app. Uh, the year that I was born, also the year that the uh, Montana Grizzlies women's soccer program was inaugurated. Uh, They took the field that September against Gonzaga for the first ever match in Grizz soccer history. That team is the focus of my new podcast, Trailblazers. Betsy Dirksen and the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. Uh, You can find part two of that podcast out now on all your favorite podcast hosting platforms. Uh, Part one was talking uh, about just why Montana decided to start a women's soccer team and then how they settled on Betsy Dirksen to be the first head coach in program history. Part two is all about the actual season. I talked to six or seven of the players. I talked, of course, to Betsy, um, talked to her assistant coach, Julie uh, Holmes at the time, Julie Woodward now, just trying to piece together a picture of what that season was like. We're about to hear a little excerpt from that podcast uh, just dealing with the preseason, the players coming in, uh, we'll introduce you to a couple of the players, uh, and then we'll hear from the players about Betsy Dirksen. So without further ado, here's a little excerpt from Trailblazers. Again, you can find this wherever you get your podcast. Just search Trailblazers, Betsy Dirksen, and that'll bring you to it. Uh, here's just about eight minutes from part two of that podcast. Obviously, Courtney Matheson blew my mind. She was so good and so fast. Same with Lisa Oyen. And then, of course, Megan Bartonetti, who was also just such a strong personality on the team, even though she was a a red shirt. And then Sherilyn Fowler. I think Sherilyn easily passed every fitness test. And she sort of, she was red shirting and coming from playing two years at Seattle U. So she she was another person who just sort of raised the bar. Like you watched how fit she was and it just made it clear how much work I had ahead of me. And then Jennifer Colby. I remember just walking to and from the dorms to the field house with this group 
have very like distinct memories of that. We were so young, big personalities, but just I just remember laughing, like a lot of a lot of humor, a lot of sarcasm for sure, but definitely a lot of nerves that first week because it was very much it still felt very much even though I came in with a partial athletic scholarship, it felt very much like you could be cut from the team. Intense, intimidating, being a Montana soccer player, we were you know, definitely not as advanced as um, Washington, California, other out-of-state areas. So, you know, knew I was playing with a lot of out-of-state kids that had a lot more soccer experience and background than I did. I think we were all young and new to college world, right? We had a lot of freshmen, and so it was just fairly intimidating. That intensity sprang from the Grizzlies' young head coach. At that time, Betsy Dirksen was just a few years removed from her own All-American playing career at Boston College. In her first head coaching job at Seattle University, she had taken the Red Hawks from one of the worst teams in the country to the NAIA National Tournament. That had taken three years. At Montana, she had a month to take a roster that was almost entirely new to college soccer and turn it into a Division I caliber team. It's all these mostly freshmen. We were young, coming in from all over, and here we have to sort of quickly become a, a Division I college soccer team. I just remember I was young, but they were young, too, and naive and diverse group, and we were very green. It was hot. We trained twice a day. We worked hard, and that's the preseason, like, we put in time. I remember that as well. I read this later because I'm a fan of John Wooden and like to follow, you know, what he did to be so successful, the great basketball coach at, at UCLA. He won, what, 10 national championships. I found out later that he was meticulous about his practices, like, to the minute, like we'll be doing this exercise, my fellow assistant coaches, for seven minutes. Then we're going to transition to this next exercise for 10 minutes. And he also tried to be like fast paced, keep things moving. And he was like energetic in his compliments. And when I read about what John Wooden did in his trainings, like how meticulous he is in his preparation, I was surprised. Like, oh, I just somehow fell upon that. that that's a good way to do things, to keep the kids engaged and also with starting a new program like you want to from the beginning set an expectation high of like these are our values this is what we do we come and we work hard julie holmes who played under dirksen at seattle and became her first ever assistant coach at montana now had the opportunity to see her from a different angle i think betsy always had a plan and i think some of it you know just happened organically by how she leads i mean she is an amazing leader and i she put together the best training sessions and everything she did she was very meticulous and when she does something she does not do it halfway i don't think as a player you would think much about you'd show up to practice you train and you wouldn't realize the thought and preparation that goes into that. And Betsy was someone who she would put her heart and soul into a training session. She would look at the team and she would say, we need to be better at this. What can I do to make us better at this? And she would plan a training session. And she wasn't someone who would just go through the motions and move on to the next thing. She would train the team until the team got it right. She cared so much about development and personal growth and team growth. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to do this drill and be done. It was, nope, we're doing this. We need to be better. And she would challenge the players each and every day. 
she was a lot in so many wonderful, challenging ways. She's very competitive. She's very driven. And when you're in it and you just have no perspective outside of that, she was a hard coach to play for in that she had really high expectations. I really do appreciate that, that she pushed us in ways that made us better, you know, and, and challenged us in ways that wouldn't kind of back away when it was just hard and allowed us to be able to navigate through things that were hard and be okay with that. She was also very direct in her communication, which at times was harder to process, but at the end of the day, you knew where you stood. There wasn't a lot of like unknowns or areas where you're not quite sure what she meant or what she was trying to get at. And again, sometimes hard to process when the information was more difficult, but so appreciative of the fact that, you know, she was trying to do the best for us and really give us information that was going to help us become better um, as individuals and as a group. But she was also fun. We like to pull pranks a lot. And we were, like, we laughed a lot, that is for sure. We had a good time. And there were times, you know, she would let her guard down a bit, and you see the, the human side of her and would laugh along with us. Looking back on that now with her ability to be such an incredible coach for us and, and leader for us in a really tough situation, at a point when she became a mother for the first time, it was... How she balanced that out, I have no idea. Like, that is a super human trait that she has. If coaching a completely new Division I program wasn't enough, Dirksen was also dealing with the challenges of a new family. On August 12th, less than a month before the season opener against Gonzaga, she gave birth to her first child, a son named Justice. I'm serious when I say it was all a blur. I mean, I had a brand new baby. I don't even remember that first Gonzaga game. And frankly, I just don't remember much of it because I was running back and forth from Fort Missoula back to my house by the university to feed my brand new baby and then running back to Fort Missoula. So I don't really remember much. I'm starting a brand new program in a state that barely even has girls soccer. And then on top of it, I'm about to have my first child. Like I didn't really know how to do either, you know, raise a baby and start a college soccer program in a state that barely had girls soccer. And I took the job. I was just really young and naive, thankfully. <laughs> that helped, right? That you hadn't done either of those things before and you didn't really know what they entailed. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Or I probably wouldn't have taken the job <laughs> or decided to have a child. Like Doing both at the same time was a little bit of a crazy task, but Young people, you know, people in their 20s and 30s, they have such great energy. I look at my son now, the one that I was pregnant with back in 1994, and he's 29. And sometimes I'm just amazed at his energy. And and he's in the game of soccer and the energy that he has for the kids that he coaches, for the organization that he's running, his passion for it. Like people in their 20s and 30s have great energy. And I guess I, I had that. Now, now I'm wiser and smarter. <laughs> There you go, about eight minutes of the 40-plus minutes from part two of Trailblazers, uh, our new podcast all about the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. Uh, I was just blown away by the story of Betsy Dirksen when I started looking into that team. Uh, you just heard it there. She was she was pregnant with her first child when she started this team. She had her first, uh, she had her first baby less than a month before the season opener. 
Uh, there are some great stories from the players about how she managed that and realizing what she was doing uh, later in their lives as they, as they started having kids as well. Uh, if any of that sounds interesting to you, go and check it out. Trailblazers, Betsy Dirksen, and the 1994 Montana women's soccer team. Part 2 is live now. Wherever you get your podcast, there'll be one more episode in that podcast series coming. Part three, where I'll look back sort of at the impact that that team has had uh, on the University of Montana, which has been considerable. You're listening to Nuanez now, ESPN Radio, 102.9 FM, as well as SWX Montana in the ESPN MT app. Thanks for riding along with us. Culture Nuanez out today. Uh, just taking a little vacation here, end of the year. Holiday time, spending some time with his family. So myself, Andrew Houghton, as well as Jeff Safford, bringing you the show today. Let's give away some tickets. We got a pair of tickets to the Cole Swindell concert. It's going to be next summer, July 20th, at the Kettle House Amphitheater. Uh, We've got a pair of tickets to that concert. Text me right now. going to be easier if you guys text because I can't really answer a phone call from anybody right now. I'm talking on the radio. Uh, so text me right now, 406-888-1029. Uh, just text me Cole or Cole Swindell. Let me know that you want those tickets. We'll pick somebody uh, from those texts. We'll get you a pair of tickets to that Cole Swindell concert again next July. can't believe we're thinking about next year's concert schedule already, but I guess it is December. Uh, Cole Swindell. Next July 20th at the Kettle House Amphitheater. We got two tickets for you. Text me right now, 406 888 1029. When we come back after the break, we'll bring Jeff Safford on the show. Talk a little MLB, maybe talk a little NBA as well. It's coming up next. You're listening to Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. Television. Well, Jeff Safford selection for you here on Nuanez Now. Gucci Mane and J. Cole. Great selection, Jeff. Uh, of course, if you're watching us on SWX Montana or the ESPN MT app, you can see Jeff Safford now in our beautiful uh, ESPN MT studios here. You're listening to Nuanez Now on 102.9 FM Missoula or SWX Montana or the ESPN MT app. Culture Nuanez is out today. Uh, So myself, Andrew Houghton, and Jeff Safford bringing you the show. Happy to have the opportunity. Happy you're riding along with us here. We're going to talk some MLB. We're going to talk some NBA. In just a minute, real quick, one other sports brief from that first segment that I didn't get to. uh, Sort of a, a continuing story that we've been monitoring here at Nuanez now. Montana State volleyball season continuing. Uh, the Bobcats beat Wyoming three sets to two on Wednesday in the quarterfinals of the National Invitational Volleyball Championship. So that puts the Bobcats into the semifinals of the National Invitational Volleyball Championship. Uh, sort of like if you're familiar with the NIT for basketball, uh, they didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. There's a secondary invitational postseason tournament. Bobcats were able to get an invite to that, and they've made the most of it. They beat Pacific. They beat Sac State. They beat Wyoming in the quarterfinals. Now they've got Wichita State in the semifinals. That match will be Saturday 
at noon Mountain Time, and you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. So a great story for that Montana State women's volleyball team. You heard from head coach Matt Houck yesterday. If you missed it, you can always go back and check the Nuanas Now podcast. Uh, but the Bobcat volleyball season keeps rolling. Bringing in now our guy Jeff Safford. Jeff, how you doing, man? How's your week been? Just getting ready for a big weekend coming up Friday and Saturday. The Grizz hockey team taking on Montana State. First game tomorrow. We got a preview of that matchup coming up in a few minutes here on Nuanas Now in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, also cool to see that the Paddlehead schedule is out. Pioneer League Baseball coming in 24. Should be a fun season. Of course, Jeff Safford, uh, the jack of all trades here at Missoula Broadcasting Company. He is our play-by-play man for Grizz hockey in Grizz Lacrosse. Also our play-by-play man for the Missoula Paddleheads. So he's looking forward to baseball season. Jeff, let's talk a little baseball. The hot stove has been slowly getting up to temperature. Winter meetings in Nashville ended uh, either yesterday or the day before. Not a ton coming out of the winter meetings, but then last night we got confirmation of a move that's been uh, rumored for a while now, and it's a big one. Juan Soto on the move for for the second time in two off seasons, I believe, going from San Diego to the New York Yankees. Here's the full trade: Juan Soto and Trent Grisham from the Yank or from the Padres to the New York Yankees. San Diego gets back uh, a bunch of pitching: Michael King, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Drew Thorpe, as well as catcher Kyle Higashoka. Jeff, you're you're the you're the baseball guy. What were your first thoughts on this one? Obviously, people have been talking a lot about Juan Soto, and looking at it from the Yankees' perspective, I think folks know the type of season that they're coming off of, and how, and I talked about this with Colton Juanes numerous, numerous times through the season, you're just not used to seeing this from the New York Yankees. I mean, the season they had, they hadn't had a win-loss record like that in 30 years, and it just seemed like the Yankees just wanted to get back to where they were in the 1990s. And if you haven't checked out, this is kind of a random topic, but if you haven't checked out the Yogi Berra documentary, I surely would recommend doing that. It's a great documentary. Come out a couple of months ago, touching on his whole career on and off the field and, and just the dominance that that era of Yankees baseball had. It just seemed like there's just so much turmoil and so much anger with the New York fan base. We need to get back to being the Bronx Bombers. Well, obviously, the... Yankees have a ways to go, in my opinion. They still have a few holes left to fill, but Juan Soto being the guy, just that pillar for a franchise and going with Aaron Judge offensively, that's sure a lot of production, absolutely. And you think about guys they've missed out on also, big left-handed bats. Think Bryce Harper, people are thinking about him as a Yankee for sure, kind of fit what they're looking for. Even Seager as well, choosing the Rangers instead of New York. But now here's their guy, Juan Soto. Yeah, and it's doubly important for the Yankees, I think. When you think of the Yankees, you think about big stars, and it's been that way for for 100 years. I mean, since they acquired Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox, they've had the biggest stars in the game. Well, you look at their lineup last year, it was Aaron Judge and a bunch of nobodies, to to be quite honest. (laughs) Uh, They really struggled putting together a lineup around Aaron Judge. Uh, now they've got their guy to hit back-to-back with Aaron Judge uh, and play next to him in the outfield. Jeff, does this make the Yankees contenders for you? It definitely gets them on the right foot. Obviously, they play in a very tough division. I mean, the 
Orioles are not going anywhere. They're established themselves as a good young ball club. The Toronto Blue Jays, another team that's got some young talent. Even the Boston Red Sox, you can't imagine that they'll enjoy being where they're at and kind of forgot the kind of leader of the Tampa Bay Rays. So there you go. Like, that's just a full group of teams there in the AL East. It's going to be a challenge, but I would expect the folks from New York, as my buddy Steve Healy would say, to be right there. Yeah, I would think they've got to have at least one more move in them if if they're going to really ascend to the to the list of contenders in this division and in the AL because sort of the flip side of this move I actually don't think this move was was a catastrophe for the Padres. It looks bad no. when you're trading Juan Soto, I guess what, a year and a half after they dealt for him because they dealt for him at the trade deadline uh, a couple years ago. But, you know, the the Padres still have a ton of star power in that lineup with Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, uh, etc. What they didn't have was pitching, and what they got from the Yankees in this deal was pitching depth. I mean, Michael King's a number 3 starter in the league. Uh, Drew Thorpe is a great pitching prospect. He might be ready to come up and pitch right away this year. Uh, So they got some pitching depth for a guy who's going to be a free agent in in a year. And, of course, the Yankees lost some pitching depth in this deal, and now their their rotation looks kind of like their lineup last year. Uh, Last year their lineup was Aaron Judge and a bunch of nobodies. This year their pitching staff looks like Garrett Cole and a bunch of nobodies unless they go out and make another move. They're rumored to be in on Yoshinobu Yamamoto, uh, the ace who's coming over from Japan. There's a bunch of other good starting pitching on the market this year. I think... You know, this gets them part of the way there. I think they've got to make a move for a starter still to be in that top tier of contenders. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And if you see the comments from the New York Yankees after this move was announced, it sure seems like that they're not done, that they're going to be aggressive, that quotes coming out saying, hey, we want to win now, and we want to be at the top of the heap, so to speak. And I expect the Yankees to be there and seen quotes as well talking about how they're willing to go over the $300 million threshold for a salary, which would be quite wild. Well, that's what happens when Steve Cohen not only comes into your league, but comes into your city and starts out spending you for every free agent on the market. Uh, that'll be something to watch. Good to talk a little baseball here with Jeff Safford. Wanted to talk a little NBA in-season tournament as well, just to update you. NBA in-season tournament semifinals going on right now. Uh, Bucks up 90-88 to over the Pacers in a close game in the Eastern Conference semifinal. Uh, I wanted to talk uh, with you about that a little bit. Brought a time here in the first hour. Maybe we'll get to that in the second hour. We do have a jam-packed second hour coming up for you. Here on Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. Uh, we'll kick it off with Brooks Nuanez. Brooks and Coulter going over all the NFL games this week, which lines they like, which lines they don't, uh, giving you a little inside info to maybe win some, some stackable money at that Montana sports bet machine. Uh, we'll also hear once again from Jeff Safford, who's put together a great package for us on those Grizz hockey games against Montana State this weekend. That'll do it for the first hour. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. We'll be right back here on Nuanez Now. You're listening to 102.9 ESPN Radio.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 